Please don't go away if you think this episode isn't for you. You don't have to be trying to get pregnant to get a cartload of inspiration from listening to Dr. Stacy Thomas. This episode is way longer than the previous ones because I didn't want to leave a single word on the cutting room floor. She's going to talk about the patterns in our lives and how we work with challenge, both the kind that we choose for ourselves and the kind we didn't ask for at all. And if that's not right up the stepmom alley, I don't know what is. Healing your inner world isn't just a new agey cliche. It's essential work because it impacts every aspect of your well-being, physical, emotional, psychological, and even spiritual. Whatever kind of big challenge you're facing right now, I can guarantee it's poking you in exactly the right place. By the way, I gave this episode an E rating, and it's not because we're going to talk about sex. It's because there's some explicit language, and I wanted to make sure you were forewarned. Dr. Stacy used the word shitstorm to describe what the infertility problem feels like to most women. Oh, crap. I just said it again, didn't I? You're listening to The Essential Stepmom Podcast unconventional advice and inspiration on the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. I'm Tracy Poisner, mom of one, stepmom of three. I woke up one day after more than 10 years of step-parenting challenges like alienation, loyalty, high conflict, and long distances, and found myself standing in what appeared to be the actual light at the end of the tunnel. This podcast is my way of shining that light back over my shoulder so you and all the others can find your way here too. If you want more of what you hear on this podcast, connect with me at EssentialStepMom.com, where you'll find my blog, podcast show notes, and other stepmom-related resources. Hi, thank you, Tracy, for having me. It's an honor. My name is Dr. Stacy Thomas. Most people call me Dr. Stacy, and I am a clinical psychologist. Um, I specialize in infertility as well as well as other chronic health conditions but I mean really I, I mean I see adults for a lot of reasons uh, the name of my practice I work in private practice in Toronto it's called design your life yeah. and the reason I chose that was for many reasons but um, it really represents the notion that we live patterns yeah. and but we're not aware of the patterns that we're living. And when we are made aware of them, then we have choice. And we can hopefully find the pattern that's really authentic to ourselves so that we feel we're really designing our lives in alignment with who we are. So that's, you know, at the heart of it. And I, my background is such, I love psychology. I love what I do. And, um, I've worked with people who are really struggling in the worst times of their lives. Mm -hmm. And then I've had a chance to work with people who are just wanting to be better than good. <laughs> They're really, you know, high performers. And what's really interesting is the common element is challenge. Yeah. And we are incredible creatures who are designed for challenge. And I, I kind of, look at humans almost like, I don't know, I put on this alien mind mm -hmm. and, and kind of observe our, my own experience as well as others. And I'm so blown away with just the little things that we do every day um, that fill our lives that we don't really need to do to survive. You know, like, and, and people when, you know, we have our hobbies or interests or you know, we make great efforts to make our spaces beautiful or, right? Yeah. And what's that all, like, it's, it's kind of interesting to me. We take it for granted. But for me, it's like, this is a spiritual exercise. This is a way in which we transcend the ordinary. This is the way that we transcend just the physicality of our world to experience something higher. And I see the challenges that we choose and the challenges we don't in the same way. So for me, I see challenge, life challenges as the opportunity because they, they stir everything up. And it's in that chaos that ensues that there is the possibility to reorganize. And everything that has been, we've been carrying comes right up to the surface. It's right there for us. Mm 
And so if we are equipped with the tools and the mindset to really um, look and listen, we can turn it all around. We really can. And I've had that, that privilege of working with people in those moments. They have taught me that. All the clients with chronic pain, all the clients with infertility in particular, because it's such a ruling journey. Oh, yeah. It's one of the hardest. Yeah. It really is. And when we decide, like, no, we can make use of this. Yeah. This is here for you, man. And what better, there's no better time really than before inviting a child into your life. Right? So then we have something really productive to do, which is all about the person sitting in front of me. Mm -hmm. Right? There's no downside to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and then we go. And so this is, um, this kind of informs all of my work. So I mean, that's kind of a long introduction of myself. No, but I, that's really but I'm kind of giving you a, a snapshot of, of my philosophy and how I work. And, and um, you know, it's, it's really interesting when we start to see life through that lens and how quickly things can, can unfold in a way that is, is really wonderful. I call it like the beautiful disaster. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's, it's, a a horrible, it's, a, it's a horrible thing that we're going through, but there's like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. Because when we actually have the support and tools and decide we're, we're going to just go through with awareness and really care for that part of ourselves that didn't get care of before. Mm. That's, then we, that's really critical. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. So this is where... Um, we really start to heal at on such a deep level. And, uh, you know, before coming in here, coming to, to this podcast today and to talking with you, I was really reflecting on the multifaceted layers within um, our modern families mm. um, and the stepmoms out there. Yeah. that you speak to and that you work with. And, and I'm so thankful for you for bringing my awareness to this other conversation that we need to have more of. Um, and it is so multifaceted and multi-layered, so I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Oh, thank you so much. I, I think that you've already touched on so many things that, uh, mm -hmm. that I'm happy for people to be hearing. And uh, of course, one of the main ones would be that um, <clears throat> there are so many women um, suffering emotionally with uh, fertility issues that a person could build their whole uh, private clinical psychology practice around that, right? And each, each woman who has this problem thinks that she's the only one, you know? Um, and... Uh, I think the same is true uh, for miscarriage. I hear all the time from yes. women who discover that, you know, one of their closest friends had had miscarriages and they never knew before. This is not something that you just, you know, broadcast about and that people know about you commonly. It can be the case that your own mother had several miscarriages and you never heard about it mm -hmm. uh, until you experienced that or that you have you know, a sister or a neighbor, a coworker who struggles with infertility. It's not something that you have tattooed on your forehead, but right. really everywhere around you are people with the same problem. So I really agree with you about the importance of having more of this conversation. Yes. And that, that thing with that, with infertility and miscarriage, they often go together. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's one of the hardest things anyone can go through. And yet these women are walking around like going to work, they're going through emotions of life as if it's all normal. And that's what is really uh, makes it even more difficult um, is that isolation yeah. on so many levels. And it is, it is so intrusive. It is so physically demanding. Yeah. It's so emotionally demanding. And so, I, I mean, I think we're so fortunate to be alive right now with these kinds of technologies where we can find the spaces to have these conversations and connect women with each other uh, and within community in a positive way. Absolutely. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and, and miscarriage, I mean, that is, I'm thankful that that conversation is being had more and more, but you know, this is the thing, like the moment you decide that you want to have a child, right? Wherever you are on that spectrum, no one is thinking about cells in a, in a dish, right? <laughs> right. It is, it is the baby. It is the image of yourself as a parent. And that is, that is what is happening, right? That's what we're, the quest that we're on. Yeah. And so no matter where and when, if we lose that child, is a child in that parent's perspective, parent's mind, um, it is a, a significant loss. And it starts a whole process of being fearful mm. that, you know, and managing the fear as we go forward afterwards, many women will continue, right? Yeah. Um, that is a whole thing in itself in terms of managing that. It is absolutely normal to be terrified going forward to try to conceive again. Um, and when we're doing it alone, we're not having those conversations. It's like we have to put on blinders and cut ourselves off from our feeling and just march ahead. And and so it's, it's really a a soldiering on, which isn't helpful for the process. Yeah, it absolutely is not true. eh? Yeah, no, because, um, you know, when uh, there's, I don't know if you're aware, if your uh, listeners are aware, there's a a really important study that came out. It's called the ACE study, Mm -hmm. study of adverse childhood experience. Yes. Okay. And this is where it was, I think, in the 90s, mid-90s, where they studied a pretty large cohort of, of people, um, around about 20,000. Um, and the biggest predictor of chronic serious health concerns, like cancer, diabetes, heart disease, substance uh, problems, and infertility. Mm and infertility um, was uh, exposure to family trauma before the age of 12. Wow. So, so let's think about that in context. So that is in women. And these are preliminary studies where they looked at um, uh, dysregulated periods. Oh yeah. Okay. And uh, decreased ovarian reserves. So, less eggs. Um, and, um, it was a significant predictor, particularly like abuse, having a parent with a substance problem and witnessing, um, uh, marital violence and, and conflict. So let's, let's think about this in in context of your listeners, Mm -hmm. because we have two things going on here, potentially not always, but we have, uh, the children that um, that your your spouse's children, yeah, who knows what they have been exposed to, right, right, particularly if they're young, um, you know, wherever they this may have happened or the disruption in the family, so they've had their own trauma or or major stress, depending on how that was dealt with in those their families mm-hmm. between their parents. So there's that. <laughs> and so we, we're really mindful of that child's experience early in life. This is laying down the fabric of their neurology, their, their brain, and how they can regulate their own stress response, which has, is a huge predictor of their health long-term. Wow. Okay. And then there are the stepmoms themselves yep. who may have had their own they're dealing with infertility, um, they may have their own chronic life stressors from their early childhoods. Which, so this is, this is where, this is a, a very interesting web, right? I can see that. Mm-hmm. So we have, there's a very strong biological drive. You know, most women, I mean, it's such a unique I, experience, right? I, I was there. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. I mean, a woman, especially as she's entering her 30s, 
I mean, all she can see are babies everywhere, yeah. right? And there's like probably a good reason for that from a biologic evolutionary perspective. Yeah. Um, so there, that is a, that is one drive. And then there is this other, maybe psychological or emotional drive, which is um, maybe repair of their own childhoods. Right. Right. Uh, feeling that unconditional love that they were prepared to give their own families that were not reciprocated. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's that. And then there might be feeling like wanting to have place mm-hmm. of importance in their families. Yeah. And, and that may be a way of solidifying place and, and, and importance in their partner's lives is having a child together. So there's many, many layers here. Oh, you bet. Interesting. Right, uh, and then there is this maybe the children that they, the children that they are uh, playing a role in, and and that's a very special role, I would argue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I get that there would be when we're in this scenario as a stepmom trying to conceive and having a hard time. I mean, all the comparisons. I mean, the brain just goes there. Yeah. Right, like let alone the people on the street, there's another woman that was part of your spouse's yes. life who was able to do it, and you can't. So, yeah. it's this automatic, uh, less than I'm not good enough, yeah, story that comes yeah. to the surface, right? Yeah, um, and then you know, then there's this sense of what role do I play in this child or these children's lives that I'm, I'm tasked with parenting. Right. And, you know, with respect to that piece, you know, one of the things I would encourage your listeners to think about and and maybe just to decide to do is to step out of this place of comparison and recognize their unique blessing of them in this, this child or these children's lives. Yeah. Right. That this person, you, you can embody the role of this really helpful adult. Yeah. No, but this is one of the questions I usually ask my clients, my adult clients, who've had um, significant trauma growing up, or they had, you know, there was just life, family conflict. And I always ask, was there another helpful adult around? The helpful adults in a child's life can play a huge mitigating role. And they don't have to get caught up in the family drama as much as it's wanting to be imposed on them. Yeah. Right. So, so this is the, in some ways, the advantage of the step parent is that they get the chance to get to know this child without any ego. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's so hard to do. I'm, I'm really grateful that you're, talking about this in such an articulate way, because this is one of the main points that I like to drive home to, mm-hmm. to my listeners, to my audience, this idea of, of finding a role for yourself, which is not a kind of uh, B role, B team mother, mm-hmm. but something other than mother and helpful adult is a wonderful way of putting it. But I usually invite people to look for some kind of alternate persona uh like like an auntie or a neighbor the neighbor mom or your best friend's mom or um a a mentor or a teacher or a fairy godmother you know that there are so many different ways that you can imagine yourself in relation to a Mm -hmm. child Mm -hmm. uh, which is not strictly speaking a motherly one even if it's a very caring adult one, and it can be a beloved one. Certainly there are, you know, many of us from our own childhood remember a beloved person who was another, who was another adult. And I think that, that mindfully staying out of the mother energy Mm -hmm. um, with respect to kids who have a mother who lives across town or in another place, Mm -hmm. that that is a really important part of fostering a, the, the good bond that you're looking yes. for, you know, yes. and I think a lot of, a lot of women go wrong in 
um, in their, I am going to say mistaken overmothering. Mm-hmm. And that often comes unconsciously from just what you've been talking about, this, this tremendous drive and tremendous natural maternal instinct that we have, that when you're in the presence of children, it just oozes out mm-hmm. and you, you, you can't even tell that it's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it is a very, very powerful drive indeed. I mm-hmm. totally remember being there when I, uh, had my daughter it was it was something that really uh, my daughter was born when I was 29 so I was just mm-hmm. moving into that phase and it was like holy cow this needs to happen now and mm. it was all that I could think about mm. although I did not I, I'll admit that I did not struggle with infertility but mm-hmm. I knew in yeah. my body yeah. that uh, this was like going to be a number one priority for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I get that. Um, so, so there's that piece and then there's the trying to conceive. Piece. Yes. And there's so much to talk about there, but I guess um, I'll, I'll just tell you a little bit about the women that I see in my practice. Sure. And I can say pretty much um, all of them are very successful tend to be type A people, (laughs) right? They're used to being in control. They're used to seeing results, all the right things. They follow the rules and they're so frustrated and upset, blaming themselves. And it's it's so crazy making this journey because it's the first time sometimes, and maybe your listeners, you know, have already surrendered to some degree within the, the family context in which they're in, but it's the first time where they're having to face something so important they don't feel fully in control of. Yeah. And that, and that's life. Like that's a reality of life and they've adapted to their circumstances because of their intelligence and ingenuity. They found a way to have so much control in their lives and life is going, okay, well you need to also look at this. And this, this is the pattern that arises for anyone who's, uh, so very outcome driven. They're incredible. Our, our societies will support it 100%. Like we don't really yeah. care about what <laughs> happens to you along the way. No pain, no gain, yeah. and just produce the results. So we see uh, a pattern where these women don't regard themselves really. They don't take care of themselves. They don't consider their selves in the process. They're so used to cutting off and just doing what's necessary. Yeah very functional in some ways, but in this journey, not helpful, not helpful at all. Yeah. And, you know, when we look at what that, as I say type A, and I, I, I totally own type A, like I'm, I consider myself type A in recovery. I have to really rein myself in and I've made a lot of changes in my way of living, but I know this journey well. So it may be part of infertility. Maybe it's just you know, as a therapist, you just attract, <laughs> you know, and, and somehow the way I present myself attracting people, I don't know. But um, I, I'd say the same thing with chronic pain and other, other conditions of health where um, they don't uh, understand why they can't get better or why this is happening. Yeah. So I see it as the invitation to really start to acknowledge themselves. And many come from, you know, like high achieving families that subconsciously really is like, this is the norm. Like for, for these women, um, average is failure, right? Average is failure. So, 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 and they don't even recognize it until I state that to them. Like, Oh yeah. Like there's no way that would be acceptable to me. Being just like everyone else or close to everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No. So there's that. And then there's, there's also um, the, the drive to succeed is the replacement for actual presence of the parent, Hmm. actual love. Um, So, and, and parents do this unconsciously. It's just, they were just part of the society where parents only paying attention when they score the goal. Yeah. only really dowsing them with 
you know, the gifts of love and presence when they're doing the right thing. So, so we get conditioned to that. Yeah. And so all of this comes up when we have this failure. So quote unquote failure experience. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This is a whole lack of love. I'm not worthy. It's layered. It's not just that, but it's there as well. So learning, I mean, a lot of the work is really about finding that compassionate voice and recognizing there is an inner child inside that's been quieted, stuffed down, silenced, shamed, all of those things. When the outside world hasn't validated something they produced. Mm. Okay. So, so this is the, the deeper work where it's like, yeah, no, you matter. And it's amazing all the talents and abilities that you have, but you're on this journey where you're recognizing there's something deeper here, right? That you, you, you're on that hamster wheel and no matter what you achieve, it's never good enough because it's not, that's not really what you want. You're incredibly able, incredibly adaptive. But this is the challenge that you need to learn right now because you are about to embark on the most transformative, you are on the most transformative journey probably of your life. And your child cannot have a job to do. Yeah. Do not invite a child into your life with a job to heal you. That's not. That is so beautiful and so well said that I, I feel that so profoundly. And I, I have to say that I even feel that when I look at some of the families of Mm -hmm. the women in my audience and that's how I feel even, even um, looking at that situation. I want to say this child cannot have a job to do for you. Mm. It's not okay. And I think a lot of times, as we were just saying before, that the, the strong, strong drive and maternal instinct coming out in the presence of children that it does automatically, mm-hmm. we need to be mindful of how that, that puts a responsibility onto that child to, to react in a way that gives you what you need. Yeah. And that, that can't be the job of the child to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is where, you know, I say like both parents that, you know, when it's easy, they're just, they're figuring out as they go. And sometimes they wake up and sometimes they don't. And there's a pause for you. And this is the invitation for you to actually do this work first, mm. not in the middle, but now, and you get served by that. And everyone else around you gets served by that. And let's learn to create a loving space, a loving home within yourself. Mm. And what does that do? What does that do when we are actually intimately connected to ourselves in whatever? Right? This is not about being some like Zen goddess. That's not real. Yeah. This is about walking into the shitstorm. Yeah. And being able to go, I see you, I see you, I see you so, I see you. Oh, that was horrible. Oh, my goodness. I know you're so well-intended and, you know, you can cry it out. Like, this is, this is finding our most empathic person we give to everyone else so easily, but hold ourselves to a whole other standard where it's like, you're not allowed, right? We're actually so, like, we really listen and, and get a sense of that jet. It's so cruel. It's yeah. so cruel. Right. And it's, it's largely because there wasn't anyone there who really saw us early on, didn't see mm. us hurting and only expected us to perform. So we had to, that was survival. But you know what, when we're in survival mode, quite literally, yeah. fertility will shut down. So, so, you know, that study I was referencing, yeah. what they, one of their markers was irregular periods or no periods. Mm. And what they find is, you know, we have to appreciate that fertility, as, as much as it's so important for our, you know, ongoing survival as a species, it's, kind of, it's optional. It's expensive. Yeah. 
So if you are in survival mode, it's just going to shut down. Yeah. There's no, it's like, you don't, you cannot, basically, biologically, the system is saying you don't have the resources to sustain a life. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. You don't. So we're, we're shutting this, this whole system down. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you can go on and survive and maybe later when resources are plentiful, then, okay. Yeah. So that, you know, people will say, everyone's telling me I got to relax. And then they're getting stressed out about being yeah. relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it becomes work. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. We got to shift the energy. Yeah. We actually have to just really embody this loving tone with ourselves. And when we do that, what's so cool. Do you know that literally changes the rhythm of the heart? Wow. Like we, we talk about you know, deep, there's so many roots to this, right? Uh, I have this cool tool that I use in my practice. It's a way of measuring the variability of your heart rate. Yeah. Have you heard of this? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And what's really cool is to um, have that on as people are thinking in certain ways. Wow. And it's so interesting. I, I did this the other day with uh, one of my clients who has infertility. Um, and I'm like, okay, you, you're used to those ne negative thoughts. Just do that for a little while. See what happens. And you see like this jaggedy, yeah. uneven heart rhythm. I was like, what, what if you adopted the thinking right now of it's entirely possible for me to have a child? And just think in that optimistic way or whatever occurs to you that's more of a loving yeah. encouraging response and you see the heart just it's just this beautiful rhythm and she's not breathing in any particular way consciously but the the heart really responds like it's you see this mind body connection. Wow. and the quickest route the quickest route to that uh, even rhythm is all it sounds cheesy but it's love it's all the thoughts and feelings about connection. And as soon as we start thinking about work, as soon as we start thinking about, you know, anything negative or we see the, the heart rhythm yeah. follow suit. And so this is, you know, this is one of the tools I use in my practice to say, okay, you're going to practice this. And, and at some point the feedback, because again, my, my clientele tends to be type A. So they like this feedback and technology and they can track their progress. And then like, and then, you're going to get so attached to that feedback and it's going to screw you up. <laughs> and you're going to have to find, figure out how you disengage from that. Yeah. Right. You're going to teach yourself this, but this is going to give you the feedback along the way. So, so this, there are, I mean, that's just one cool tool, but the main message is that the, the thoughts and emotions of connection are automatically change our physiology. Wow. Right. And so this is more evidence. Like there's no denying it. It is hard evidence yeah. that when we are aligned with what we're doing in a loving way for ourselves, our nervous system loves it. Fertility loves that. Yeah. And there's good data that these mind body techniques actually help with fertility. Wonderful. Right. right? And there is also that opportunity as we move into, like, I, I'm like, yeah, I know that you're focused on getting pregnant. I'm thinking about you as a, as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> and you're parenting right now, as I said before, um, already, like they're picturing their child. They're picturing, you know, what they're going to be doing with their child from the start. And so you have a, a child inside of you already, this inner child who comes out in times of stress and strain, yeah. right? When we're most reactive, when we can't sleep at night, like that, that situation that plays on our minds, yeah. that is a sign that there's other stuff rising within us that's from the past. Yeah. So it's a little bit of what actually happened and a whole lot of other stuff. So when we take on this perspective, it's like, okay, this is my opportunity. Let me just listen. Let me really listen what's happening, right? When have I felt this before? What is that about, right? So we start to really nurture ourselves by being present with the feeling, not like dumbing it down or numbing out, which is what we tend to do 
um, because we haven't learned how to process our emotions. Yeah. Okay. And when we get practiced at this, this is what's so exciting. When we do, when these women do succeed at becoming pregnant, they're already in a space where they know how to parent their inner child so they can actually parent. Yes. <laughs> yes. I've been dying to jump in and say something about this because there are, again, I hear a lot of stories in the context of the women I work with about um, a mother in the, you know, in the other household. So the biological mother being unable on some level to cope mm-hmm. with these kids or saying constantly to the dad, I need you to take the kid, the, the kid or the children. Uh, I can't deal. I can't deal with this. I'm dropping them off. It's 11 o'clock at night. I just can't deal with it or whatever. And it's exactly like what you're saying. When you haven't, haven't uh, given space to your own inner child and your own stuff, it's just going to come around again. You're not going to be able to handle the, the tantrums or the, the anxiety or the you know, behaviors in, in, the, in the children when they arrive. And mm-hmm. you know, having an infant is not an easy thing. Having a toddler is not an easy thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I think I agree with you that it's a wonderful uh, mindset to say, okay, like this is a gift. Let me use this time to clean up my inner environment, you know, and to build my inner resourcefulness Mm -hmm. so that I can be a better mother. Speaking of building your inner resourcefulness, let me pause this wonderful interview for a brief word from our sponsor, Stepmom Success Lab. Stepmom Success Lab is a program I run for stepmoms who want to fast track the learning curve and get the answers they need now, instead of just waiting for a random podcast episode to shed light on the mysteries of whatever's going on in your home these days. Stepmom Success Lab is for you if you're someone who wants to think for yourself, someone who doesn't want to squeeze into someone else's idea of how a step family is supposed to work. You just need a quick and relatively painless way to fill in the gaps in your knowledge of step parenting and step family dynamics, because Lord knows, no matter who you are, nobody comes prepared to this gig. You'll have lots of me to listen to, or even watch on video if you like, and I made a guided workbook to go along with it, because if you're like me, you need to write stuff down to really digest the ideas. Then. Just show up to one or more of the live video help sessions and I'll be there in person to answer your questions and to help you over the bumps in the road as you try out some new moves on your family. Stepmom Success Lab is starting on September 1st and I'm hoping you'll join us. There's even a special early bird price for those of you who jump on this before August 25th. So check it out at EssentialStepmom.com. That's EssentialStepmom.com. Now, back to the wonderful Dr. Stacy Thomas. Yes, yes, absolutely. And and again, you you don't you don't lose. But we need we also have to recognize that. I mean, again, it's a beautiful time to be alive because these tools, technologies, interventions, things that practices. Uh, we have the science to support them. And my thing is like, I want to, this should be common knowledge. We need to really bring on board so many people into this way of being and learning how to deal with their emotions. We have been basically raised like we're supposed to be drones of just work, 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 just keep moving, keep it moving. And maybe there was a time in our evolutionary history where that was necessary. I think we're coming out of that this time. We're coming into a new time where, you know, if you look around, technology is taking over, AI is taking over. Like there's, there's going to be computers that will be do it, able to do many human functions faster, better. Yeah. It won't require us. But what we'll, we will always have a role, okay? We will. But we need to learn how to up-level our game emotionally in order to build our, like, when people start to do this work, 
they recognize their superpowers in terms of their intuition, in terms of their speed with which they can make decisions, right? They can have more joy in their lives. They become so conscious and aware. They start like naturally letting go of stuff that doesn't serve them. They don't need to be browbeaten into this this work, right? Um, And the journey never ends. (laughs) Because we've had so many layers of stuff put on us, right? Yeah. There's always room to, you know, life will show us another thing. You never run out of material. Right, right. We never grow out of it. I'm still, you know, working my way through. Um, and, but it's often, more often, when we are choosing challenge and we're expanding. These are expansive moments. And so when it, life throws up us another doozy, it's like, hey, this is another expansive moment. It's painful. It's going to be painful. There's no level of growth that is not painful in some level, but it doesn't necessarily have to be overwhelming. If we just have that mindset at the beginning, then we're like, okay, it's game time. And if we've prepared, if we've had some practice, we've practiced with tools that work for us, right? Then it's like, all right, I'm resourced. Yeah. Yeah. I know what I need to do. And I can, I can handle it. So already we are, this is like the seasoned athlete. Yeah. Right. They, they're not practicing a minute before the game. They've had, they can lean on their practice. Yeah. And through, and they can do that and sometimes have a wonderful performance, even under poor conditions. So it's, it's really no different. It really isn't, but we have not equipped our, we haven't been equipped just very recently, I would argue um, that we're really getting equipped now with resources that are, are available to people to help them understand that, yeah, no, your emotions are a part of your immune system. It right. is part of you being able to say yes or no, right? Don't cross this boundary. Keep me safe. Yeah. And, and when we haven't had the awareness of those helpful adults, caregivers, whoever they are, who see us, who can actually are tuned in enough when we walk in the door to say, hey, you know, how are you doing? You you seem a little bit different today. Is everything okay? That's all it is. It's just paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Right? But we have to, as, as the adults around, be able to be centered enough to actually pay attention. Yeah caught up in our own stuff so it's it's a dance but I think the the mindset that we take on and not um you know what we tend to do is avoid because we I think a lot of people think it's too hard it's going to bring up too much stuff yeah. I can't handle that and I'm like mm, it's already you're, you're it's already there yeah it's already hard. Right? It's, it's already hard this doesn't have to be so hard let's just you know get rid of those illusions and delusions that somehow you know our emotional worlds are are on territory we cannot go to this makes no sense yeah right because it's it's energy and it's it's depleting your energy and it is going to make all the interventions that you're doing that much more hard that it's going to make it harder for them to do what they're designed to do absolutely absolutely i well i haven't said that on this broadcast, but I work in the field of holistic health. I see mm. people in my own private practice. Yes. And yes, of course, there are energetic blocks that prevent the vitamins you're taking from working. You can swallow pills all you like, and they just come out the other end. Nothing mm-hmm. sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if the actual cells of your body are not uh, able to integrate what you're offering them, and uh, we just on a surface level, you know, it's, you're, um, it's easy to see how hard it can be to, let's say, integrate praise for someone who is a, mm. a high achiever or an A-type yes. personality. You know, someone yes. says, wow, you are really good at that. And you go, yeah, yeah, whatever, thanks. You move on, you know. Mm. It's, it's so hard for you to enrich yourself with um, with praise, even from yourself, which is why I, uh, you know, that's working with gratitude, right? And journaling yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. It's so important for us to mindfully allow ourselves to bask in what's good around us or in what we 
in what we've achieved and pat your own self on the back and say, that was good, damn it. Like, like, good job, you know? Uh, It's hard for us to, uh, uh, to get to where we can absorb the goodness. Yes. That, that, that shows itself even on the level of absorbing nutrients from our food or from, you know, from medicines that we take, right? Yes, yes, yes. And that makes uh, perfect sense. And I'm so glad you mentioned those um, aspects of gratitude and confidence. And those are, um, there's three actual uh, resiliency practices that we've studied um, that carry people through hard times. And you mentioned some of them. So gratitude, um, competence. What are the things that I'm good, like today? What did I, how did I show up and, and uh, show that I, I know what I'm doing <laughs> and, and I feel good about what I accomplished and joy, joy, these moments of joy. And, um, you know, we have to appreciate that our brains are predominantly survival brains. Yeah. And, and the, the, it's really about, you know, when we see anything that's negative, when we experience anything negative, uh, that gets integrated like easily, like no effort whatsoever. We don't need to pay any extra attention because it's like there's a threat and I'm not keeping, I'm not going to take my eyes off of that. Right. And, and, and that was what sticks and stays. But we're, we're evolving still every day we evolve. And, um, we understand more and more that in order to thrive in this life, go beyond survival, we actually have to put the effort in to pay attention to those little moments in our days. And this practice of noticing those like actual things, not the generic things, like I'm glad I had food today, which was, is good, yeah. right? But if we're just saying the same thing over and over and we're not really doing the practice, we really want to cue our brains to, to find, notice those moments. And then actually when it's happening, like, Oh yeah, this is, this is good. We really want to pay attention, like fully be present with it. And when we note it down, then it gives us that incentive. The feedback loop is closed and we keep going and keep yeah. going because all of that is also happening in the middle of the challenge. It's all is yeah. there. Okay, so some days we, it may be harder to notice them, but they're there. And so, uh, you know, I've put together a guided journal. You mentioned journaling. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I think you've taken a look at it. It's called the Absolutely. Morning Journal. And, um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm happy to say there's a number of people who downloaded it. It's free online. And um, that practice has been really helpful for them, just having the space to unload whatever whatever's true and also keeping that practice of gratitude and joy and confidence and whether you do it every day or not this is the balance and it it shifts it shifts things and with this attitude of total acceptance for what it is like no judgment at all you can be as nasty rude (laughs) poor grammar (laughs) Whatever. It doesn't matter. It just needs to be true. We just yeah. and this is the practice of being, being your most nurturing, accepting, empathic self with yourself. So right? important. It's so important. It's so important because I'd argue that most of us, really, it's a very small number who've been raised with it consistently in that kind of environment. Yeah, but we can create it for ourselves. And your child, the child that you envision wants that for you. Yes. He wants that for you. And wouldn't this be a wonderful moment in our evolution, as you were describing, to be able to turn this around and now start really raising the coming generations uh, to be bathed in that environment of of self-acceptance. Yeah. And... um, Yes, and allowing this child to roll out as their authentic self, which, you know, this is when we're really conscious about parenting. We, it's really, I, I call it deep respect, like really deep respect that you were having the, the privilege of knowing this person from the very beginning 
and guiding them. And you're going to be reparenting yourself the whole way yeah. as you're parenting them, right? Because all of your stuff, again, you don't have total control over this, <laughs> this yeah. person. They might, you know, their physiology might be different from yours. You might be a great fit. You may not be a great fit. You know, I've, I'm fortunate to have two children. Um, and my eldest, I felt him immediately, felt I knew him right from the beginning, very strong connection. My second child, she, she looks very different from me. Like, you wouldn't even think we're related. Wow. Like, quite honestly, I remember lying beside her and her giving me screw face in the bed after she was born. I'm like, I know, I'm your mom. I look <laughs> nothing like you. Thanks. <laughs> This is me. And it's been interesting because I felt like I've had to get to know her. I've wow. just had to get to know her. And they're both beautiful relationships. They're both different. And I make shortcuts with my first that I don't with my second. And maybe that's learning, but it's, it's a different nature of the relationship. So I just share that in the sense that each journey is, is different, but if we can hold, take this attitude of like, let me try to get to know you. Who are you? Yeah. Right. As opposed to, I can tell right away, you're going to be that, you know, a ballerina or you're going to be, you know, we yeah. do that kind of thing. Our own fantasies of, of what this child is or who they are. And if we can just be less imposing and stand back a little bit more and just watch and see what they're drawn towards and give a nudge or experience and see how it lands. And if it doesn't, it doesn't, no big deal. And if it does, Oh, wonderful. Let's see like how, how this, how you, how this becomes an expression of you. Right. Yeah. That's the ideal that I think we're all working towards. I'm still working on it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that the, the, the work of, of being able to do that starts with being able to do it towards yourself. Exactly. And, and that's work that you can be doing um, in preparation for conceiving a child. And it's yes. work that will stand you in good stead. And it's, it's worth doing no matter what. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't agree more. So, so this is, um, yeah, I think that th there's reason uh, to be hopeful. This requires a different mindset, a different mindset than you're going to even get in the fertility clinic, right? Yeah. See, when you go there, it's really technical and, you know, you know, do this, do that. But if you can you know, there's so many resources out there, even free online. You know, as you're sitting there, if you can create um, some kind of image of just talking to yourself in a way that is loving and kind, if you can even possibly even connect with the lady beside you and have a conversation and feel connected, this is what really helps our physiology and helps us get through what I... What is too often the case is are women in these clinics and men uh, looking down a way, just trying to get through, yeah. feeling like, you know, cattle yeah. going through a process um, and just there's the feeling like a blanket of shame is over them. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I, I'm, I made it kind of part of a mission to do is, is to bring other practitioners who work in fertility clinics from the admin staff to the doctors, the tech, all of them, into really appreciating how transformative this experience is, how raw these people are feeling. And that we just need to do more to, to just create this loving environment as technical as it is, yeah. right? but to, to take, make it easier, just make it more like a spa <laughs> where yeah. you're coming to get you when you're as opposed to people sitting on pens and needles, like is the doctor ready or not? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like we yeah. really need to shift the just time or tone. Yeah. 
um, provide tools in the waiting areas where, you know, take the off the like CP 24 yeah. like, hour news station of death and destruction. Yeah. Yeah. And let's have like, like calming music and a little headset that someone could listen to to just help them get in this calm place. Yeah. yeah. Right. We can do that. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's free. It's just a mindset. It's just a mind. It's just an awareness like this in the, the clinics, the, the practitioners there, it's everyday business for them. It's extraordinary for every client walking through there. Right. Right. It's extraordinary. Yeah. So I think on so many levels, it's all about care and connection. And if, if that's, that's the main point, I'm hoping that your listeners take away from our conversation today. And, it, and the, the thing that's, you know, for people who are thinking, oh, this is so woo woo. Um, there's data behind that. Yeah. <laughs> the data to support it. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Stacy, this is amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Stacy, for, yeah. for being on uh, the show today and tell us, uh, tell my listeners how they can access your journal. I will certainly put a link to it in the show notes, but yeah. So if you go to growingforwardjournal.com, one word, um, you can download the journal for free. Great. I suggest like just start. I have it. It's wonderful. Yeah. And I've, it's so much fun actually to see how people have hacked it and like gotten their own from staples or whatever, put like put, took in out the instructions and just printed off a few pages and, and created their own. I've put it out there for free because I want people to use it. And what's great is when you download it, this is actually expanded. So I don't know if you know, you're aware, but I've made a, a program to go along with the journal. So there's, there's a process people could go through that's going to be launched. Uh, we're going to do a, a soft launch in the fall and a bigger launch in 2020 where every week of the journal, there's a time for reflection and a concept. And so I've gone ahead and and shot a bunch of videos for each concept to expand on it. Wow. Meditations for each week uh, and prompts for each week. Fantastic. And the opportunity to, to engage with me for people who are in the, in the program. And because that wasn't, didn't seem like enough. I've also (laughs) To, to a community. So it's called the Growing Forward Soul School. Wow. And what we're going to do is um, whether or not you have the journal, but if you download the journal, you'll be on that list and there'll be a founder's launch. So it's, it's kind of fun where you get to, you, you'll pay something. I haven't decided what it's going to be, but it'll be something very affordable and just for lifetime access for the people who are there at the beginning. And cool. basically this is not Facebook. This is not a like Facebook to me doesn't feel private. This is a private website community um, where um, you can join me in my morning writing practice twice a week, early in the morning. And if you miss it, you can do it at your own pace. It's going to be just voice, just like this, just because this is about connecting with the power of your, your voice. Sometimes I find with video, we get so caught up in how's my house looking, how am I looking, and that's all about the ego. It has nothing to do with your truth. So I'll be rolling out of bed. You roll out of bed with me if you want. We're going to have like a get grounded, write to get like a prompt, write together, end of the day and if you want to share some insight that came through you share it in the community where there's going to be access to meditations there's going to be writing prompts there's going to be um live webinars like this and i have i've been really fortunate in being able to connect with so many amazing thought leaders in this space of growth and we have an inspiration library um, releasing these videos. So it's, it's, it's really meant for people to like engage people in a community where we have this understanding that this life is absolutely for us. And it's not absolutely just about us that when we ride that balance of really caring and loving for ourselves and accessing our truth, we become really powerful in our authentic self. And there's an automatic serving that happens with everyone else we engage with, right? So this is the balance that I see. And um, I'm really excited excited about this. I'm excited. I'm there. I'm totally there. I'm going to do this. 
Awesome, Tracy. I think it sounds wonderful. Yeah, and I would love for all your listeners to join me. So, so certainly if you get the journal, you're going to be on the list when this is ready. I'm, again, planning for the fall to do a, a founder's launch uh, for the first people that are there. You know, there, there might be some hiccups along the way, but this we're going to figure it out together. And I want people to appreciate that as much as I'm a professional in this space, you're a professional in this space, we're all seekers in this life. Yeah. So we're, you know, this is an even playing field where we all have the ability to teach each other and really experience what it's like to see these pieces of the puzzle come together. This is what I'm really excited about because when I, when I see this happen in a small scale, like in the room, five people, 10 people, sometimes bigger, like 200 or 400 people, there's like major shifts and ahas that happen. And it's so exciting. It is so exciting. Wow. Well, I can't wait. I'm all over this. Awesome. So I look forward to hearing you there, if even yes. if I'm not seeing you. Yes. But thanks once again for this. This was just brilliant. I'm really grateful to you for coming on. Oh, thank you so much, Tracy, for, for this podcast, for reaching out to me and, and making me aware of the work that you're doing. And certainly, um, I've talked to some of the people that I'm connected with who are in the parenting world. I'm like, you know what, Tracy is right. We need to be really upping our game for our step, uh, step parents out there, uh, step moms and dads, and um, really speaking to their unique experience. So thank you so much for that and for this work. And you are welcome. <laughs> That's all for this episode. If you liked what you heard here, don't forget to subscribe and you'll get a new podcast from me every Tuesday. I hang out with an amazing group of wise, funny, and infinitely supportive stepmoms at The Spectacular Stepmom, a closed Facebook group. Just shoot us a join request and be part of this lovely tribe. You can always reach me by email at info at the